What you drinking? This is a uh, Waterloo pineapple sparkling water. Oh, that's fun. Which I have in one hand. And in the other hand, I have a nice uh, Hogarden wit beer. Oh, wit. Uh, yeah, happy. Uh, I'm not drinking beer. I'm just sipping out of my hydro flask. But happy Oktoberfest. It's yes. uh, Oktoberfest did, did kick off, yeah? I suppose so, right? Oktoberfest begins in late September. Late September. Yeah, some somewhere in there in our weird messed up calendar. That's a perfect, perfect little segue into a weird messed up calendar uh, to chit chat about the gaping hole in the calendar that is uh, the the Russian Grand Prix or the lack of the Russian Grand Prix. Yes. Uh, would, so the Russian Grand Prix would have been today. Is that correct? I don't know. Well, hold on. Let's let's it's let's intro the the thing. Uh, intro well, what thing? This the podcast, John. Podcast. Yeah, it's is that like uh, a pod race? What is this? It's the F one files. And we are talking about about we're talking uh, about Formula One. So why don't we talk about? We can also talk about. Oh wow my my air conditioner just kicked on and it's probably so loud. Um, we're talking about Formula One. Man, that is that is seriously the loudest air conditioner to ever violently disrupt a podcast. I don't think I could hear a thing. I think, yeah, I bet. Uh, I bet it. I think you're the, just fine, the, but I like to know that you're sweating. Oh yeah, it's I'll forever be sweating. That should be uh, on my tombstone. You, you, yeah, me, forever me. sweating. The, the sweatiest. Someone people. prone to sweating. <laughs> yeah. uh, it, just on the tail end of a heat wave out here in in Los Angeles, California. How you hold it up through the through the L.A. heat wave? I'm doing okay. I'm doing okay. I can't I can't really complain because I have that giant air conditioner for my tiny studio apartment. So right. it works out perfectly. Uh so I can keep my place very very cold without wasting too much energy, without feeling terrible about it. But nice. it's been it hasn't been bad. But how about you? Oh, yeah, we should also introduce ourselves. Uh I'm Corey Willis. I'm an improviser, writer, actor, comedian thingy out in uh in los angeles california here <laughs> what's up this is, <laughs> this is john lapore i'm a creative leader futurist guy who's dabbling in all sorts of weird stuff in film technology automotive yeah. and uh you know just uh kicking it here with my old buddy Corey. yeah talking about some formula one talking about some formula one or lack thereof well i mean well, the, yeah, there was no no Grand Prix, and it would have been wild to have four Grand Prix in a row. So I can't imagine that they would have had it this weekend. Because no, I'm pretty sure a- it was probably next weekend. So we've we're, we've got one more weekend with no Formula One action, right? And then we I go so. to Singapore. Yes, yes, which is where uh, Max Verstappen could potentially wrap up the whole entire. F1 season as far as the driver's championship. The constructor's championship, however, is still, uh, I mean, Red Bull's going to almost certainly run away with it. I can't imagine unless they just 
double retire their cars every race after Max wins the driver championship, but that doesn't get anybody any money. So they'll they'll finish out at the top slot, but there's still yeah. a chance that Mercedes might <laughs> beat Ferrari in the constructors championship. So that's that's still something to to be very watchful of and mindful of as Ferrari continues its descent into absolute ridicule this this yeah i mean is is that the ultimate clown move that they lose to the silver dolphins yes yeah exactly they they lose to a team on the grid that suffered from the most porpoising the most bottom strikes the most track strikes uh for any team on the grid and (laughs) there's a chance that mercedes through mr consistency himself george russell uh, just finishing top five every single race all season, even with a car that is uh, is bum juice, has been bum juice uh, by the Mercedes standards. Uh, and somehow they may still end up beating Ferrari to the to the constructors uh, uh, second slot, not not the championship, but they're they're going to get tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of dollars more money <laughs> because. They've just showed up and not clowned themselves repeatedly every weekend. Yep. So yeah, yep, that, yep. that feels like the ultimate clown move that that Ferrari could pull off this year is to yeah is to just lose the second second chance uh, or the second slot in the constructors. Um, yep. 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 Um, all right. So with the absence of racing, and there hasn't been really that much other news and developments this week i would i would propose and i'm just gonna spring you spring this on you oh hey since i I do so much thorough preparation for (laughs) uh uh yeah yeah for 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 these these conversations what do you do you have a do you have like a binder of uh of material over there i have i have let go of the the wheel uh this this week and just been like let's let's freestyle it let's see what we come up with let's let's chat so what do you got for me johnny so i think at this point let's take a moment let's try and Mm -hmm. look ahead to the end of the season and Mm. say to ourselves that after abu dhabi what do we think at the end of the season the biggest stories of the 2022 season will be i mean for sure it will be ferrari's self-destruction just their their inability to capitalize on well in theory they might they might even technically finish better than they have in past seasons right but considering what happened but the, with but the fact that it looked like they could have that the, they yeah, snatched that they, themselves a championship and even a, a constructors championship as well, because if they had Charles yeah. fit finishing ahead of Max, or at least having two cars consistently finish races week after week after week, they could have potentially ended up with a constructors championship, even if Max had won the drivers championship, which is ideally the more the, that's the greater purse uh to go after that is the only purse uh in in between those two championships that actually exists and matters so i think yeah this this year is this year's biggest story is ferrari's 
just absolute uh, shitting the bed right from like the like fifth race, just being like, "Uh oh, there's trouble. There's yeah. trouble in Marinello." Yeah. What, it's, what about? Uh, you? I mean, it's yeah. It's my. It's it's not just the story of the season. I think it's my favorite story of the season. Or it's yeah. And, you know, to those of you who are are not listening to the F1 files for the very first time, you will know that we love ro- delighting in Ferrari's descent into hyper clowndom. Um, yeah. The it's interesting to me because I don't. It, it's not like a a. a a hate laugh that I have towards Ferrari. I wish the team no ill will. I no, have like yeah, nothing yeah. against Ferrari. And I, and I do actually believe that like Ferrari performing well is good for the sport as well, which to yes. me is like my number one takeaway is like, I always just want like, no matter whether my favorite drivers are winning or losing, I want to make sure that the sport is benefiting in some way shape or form like i just remain perpetually an advocate for the sport and for that reason i think it's good to see ferrari win but it has just been it's just been like pure comedy it's been it's it's been absolutely hilarious watching them fail so uh do we think the end of the season do you think there's a scenario where they say uh you know charles uh carlos step forward Everybody else, you're fired. <laughs> yeah, they just go back to the dark ages of Ferrari, where they just yeah. tunatively start firing people uh, yep. at, when when things don't go right, and like publicly, embarrassingly uh, firing them during Grand Prix weekends. Like they, they just this is we could see. I don't know. I think that there is the potential to see the Ferrari of old show up. Uh, the, and by that, I mean like the boardroom, uh, the Ferrari boardroom and the Ferrari, the people who are in charge there just being like, you know what? No, we're going to fire everybody. We're just going to fire everybody. And we're going to do, we're just it's like en- Enzo, Enzo the third walks into the room and is like, there's a new strategy. Yes. We're going to fire everybody. And we're going to tell Charles and Carlos, whichever one of them comes in second, has to, uh, you know, gets killed by the other one. Yeah, and, exactly. Uh, yeah. You know. Yeah. Gets to, yeah, gets to, <laughs> yeah. Get, this gets is, to- this is casually referring to the, like, very distant history of Ferrari, mm-hmm. where it is legend says that Enzo Ferrari would very happily encourage, uh, a really intense competition between his two drivers, like baiting them to battle each other to get the most out of them. And then just kind of shrugging when that would lead to, you know, one of them getting killed. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, this, I was speaking of the Ferrari of old. uh, I went this week and because I was missing F1 and missing any of the media, I went and watched uh, like really, I had watched it before, but hadn't fully like engaged with it. I guess uh, rewatched Fangio, uh, and that's the the Juan Manuel Fangio um, documentary on Netflix. I think, and just like listening to the way that F one used to be, uh, and listening to I mean, I'm, it's it's like painful to even imagine this shit. But there would be every 
every season there'd be four or five drivers who would die. And there's like an interview with Jackie Stewart in the in like the middle of the documentary where he's just like, oh, so I was sitting with my wife the other day or like whatever. He's like just recounting a story about his wife and him. And he's like, and we sat down and counted it up. And there it, the number was 57 that uh, we had lost 57 friends who were race car drivers uh, over the course of my career, oh which my is just God. like losing 57 close friends over the course of your life is just not, that's the most unnatural thing that could possibly happen. Uh, and to have it almost celebrated in this carnal, like gladiatorial, like shrugging of the shoulders, kind of like what Enzo used to do, which was, oh, yeah, you know, if one of my drivers dies because he was pushing himself too hard, then that is good for Ferrari. That's good for the sport. That shows that these are real like fighter pilots. I mean, that's yeah. what that it's it's that the term driver is a is a very modern term uh, in F one because they were primarily referred to and are primarily referred to in Europe as pilots, like as because they're single seater pilots they're the ones who are piloting this craft they're not driving something they're actually piloting something that uses aerodynamic forces to propel it along the ground like it's yeah it was just it was just wild to to rewatch that documentary and see the reckless abandon that these drivers had to it's really insane to yeah. yeah to consider um you know how much uh, safety and whatnot has come into play and you know mm-hmm. how much more controlled this is uh in i haven't seen the documentary myself in it did they get into fangio uh competing in the in the milli milia yeah um you know this insane uh what is it it was like a thousand mile race across public roads in europe yeah that were you know, in some sections were shut down and in some sections were wide or open to wide open public traffic roads. and civilians mm-hmm. and, you know, all sorts of crazy stuff. And just that they were they were doing that in, you know, the kind of cars where they were designed in a way where like the designers were like, we've created the perfect uh, steering column that will uh, kill you instantly on impact so that yeah. you don't, don't have too much of a long painful death so you're not like stuck yeah i mean that's like the uh again part of the the race that doesn't happen anymore is the race at nuremberg which was called the green hell and part Mm -hmm. of that was because there are certain parts of the track where people would go off the track and there were like these steep embankments on either side of the track on the outer limits of these turns so the cars would just go off the embankments and no one would know that the car went off the track and you would just be trapped in either like a flaming wreckage or a wreckage that was slowly killing you. And you would just hear the race continue on and on and on. And people would have no way of knowing where you got to because they didn't shut the track down. There were no safety cars in those days. So like it was just this wild thing that existed up until the the late 70s early 80s like that was like a very normal thing to have people just die every year every single year um uh and publicly and then 
not even have like a moment of silence. You wouldn't see moments of silence even. Like now there are moments of silence every year for people who have died in the modern era and they would just continue on quite often the race would just continue on. So it was just a a, a wild thing to watch. Uh, there were other, other parts of that documentary where first of all, Fangio was in his like forties. Like he was just fully yeah. Yeah, an yeah. old man. Uh, and just dro- like drove these cars because he wanted to and was really, really good at them. And people were like, oh, to watch this man was incredible. He was the most perfect driver. He won five different, uh, one championships with five different teams. Uh, just like all this, just like there's no, it's not possible to do it in the modern era uh, for a bunch of reasons, but he also did this in the span of like 12 like 12 years. Like he did it so quickly. Mm-hmm. Uh so like his winning percentages, his lap led percentages for the amount of races that he ran in and his age and just classification are all legendary. Uh and was he was also like running I think like neck and neck with the car that crashed at Le Mans which ended up taking Merck out of racing like that that race that crash originally was like kind of blamed on Fangio because they were competitively racing at this one area and the dude who he was competing with went off the track and it killed like 80 some odd people like it was just yeah. it's the reason why Mercedes left motorsport and retired from motorsport for almost half a century was because they have they were part of the worst thing imaginable uh but that was this is like all fangio he was just a part of all of this uh and just incredible just an incredible racing driver and uh yeah worth worth it worth it to check it out uh but the reason we got on this is because of ferrari he was one of the he was a person who drove for ferrari and kind of established modern like mechanic assignments like before he got to ferrari they would just let whoever work on whatever car. Like it, there was no assignment for any of the like chief mechanics or any of the people turning wrenches in the garage. It was just like, oh yeah, we need like something done on the car. So this group of people go work on it this weekend. This group of people go work on it that weekend. And when Fangio came to Ferrari, he was like, I'll drive for you, but I have to have one mechanic, one person who will work on my car <laughs> and one engineer who can like, craft my car and my race and my like journey here uh and that is as soon as he did that that's when like the culture changed within f1 and then everyone was like oh yeah we should probably all start doing this uh so like he like changed the way that everything worked but he was also part of that like if something went wrong at ferrari people got fired and that is maybe what we'll see at the end of this season is a return to form of Ferrari just being like, nope, uh, Matea, like you did your best, but not good enough, bud. Bye. And he's just, <laughs> he's gone. He's binned. Uh, and everyone except for Charles and Carlos gets to stick around or gets, gets fired too. Like everyone else goes, I think. So, I yeah. uh, I wanna, I wanna just close out, uh, the, the Fangio, um documentary talk first off the 
the official documentary is A Life mm-hmm. of Speed, the Juan mm-hmm. Manuel Fangio story. Uh, it's on Netflix. Uh, but I would be curious to see if anybody is up for a, let's see, a quadruple header Fangio film festival Ooh. that would also include 1950s Fangio Il Demonio de las Pistas, which is Fangio, the demon of the tracks. That sounds incredible. Yeah. Uh, 1999's Operation Operation Fangio, or Operacion Fangio, which is purported to be an action comedy. Oh. And then uh, Fangio Una Vida... Uh, 300 Alora, uh, made in 1981. So Fangio, a legend so legendary, he is over the last 70 years had four films, at least four films made about him. God, it just, so it's, and the thing was, is every person who has talked to him, or talked about him or experienced him in any way, shape, or form was like he was not only the best race car driver, but like the best human being. Just such a good, wonderful, nice person, just a straight shooter, never bullshitted people, never would glad hand you, always told you exactly how he felt about you, uh, and was not like mean or disrespectful in any way uh there were one of the reasons he ended up winning one of the championships is because someone else on his team quite literally gave him his car because Fangio's car broke down and he was like well I'm not going to win the world drivers championship but like you could and you're such a great teammate that I'll give you my car like it was like that's the level of driver and human being he was uh and like he retired from the sport. The reason this man retired from the sport at like 50 years old uh, uh, was he was like, oh, my parents are getting a little old and I like want to spend some quality time with them. So he retired from the sport and just went and like moved in with his parents and lived with his parents for the rest of their lives just to be like, oh, like I sacrificed a lot of my life to like racing and like haven't spent good quality time with my family. And these are the people who like matter the most to me. So like just went back to Argentina and, uh, uh, yeah, it was Argentina that he was, he was from, um, and like opened up like a car dealership and just like lived and lived with his parents and lived close to his parents and spent like the last little bit of his life, uh, last little bit of their lives, um, together as a family, which is just so cool. Um, just solid dude, solid dude. And I I hope every F1 driver says like, oh, he's like the pinnacle. He's the person who is the best. Uh, but it'd be nice to see like his personality outside of racing kind of emulated, uh, as well as his, his personality on the track and in the paddock. But, um, yeah, I'd be up to, to watch those for sure. Some, some would say, that was the the Nico Rosberg move. Yet somehow, I still don't feel it. It it doesn't feel even slightly Fangio esque 
to me when Nico Rosberg wins a championship by accident and then skates right out of the sport. Yeah, uh, Nico, who is sorry, I'm just I'm just throwing throwing random shade in here just for, oh, just for the hell of it. Two two fun facts uh, about Nico Rosberg in in the context of one uh, in the Fangio uh, documentary, he absolutely is interviewed uh, several times. So like Nico keeps popping up. In is this he is he reporting in from his kitchen table like he is at the Formula One race broadcasts? Well, here's here's a little uh, a little touch on that. Do you know I found out through TikTok why? Nico Rosberg does this, why he gets to report from his kitchen. He is anti-vax, so he will not get vaccinated, and he still gets to work for Sky Sports from home covering Formula One because he is not allowed to be at any of the Grand Prix because he is he will not get vaccinated. So, yeah, that is... Wow. Uh, that is that is the reason why wow. Nico, yeah, yeah, just a, an extra layer of like, man, fuck Nico Rosberg, like, holy shit, what an absolute piece of shit. selfish asshole. But yeah, that's, he's uh, that's yep. pretty rough. Yep, that's uh, that's that's a little little Nico update. Oh, wow, God. could could not believe that. Wow. <sighs> um. Yeah. Oh, all right. Well, I'll have to keep that in mind the next time that they like kick over to him. Yeah. Just think of that. Yeah. It's selfish piece of garbage. And, uh, you know, so, so that means there's a degree to which he's even like, Hey, I, I, I could, you know, I could come down there with you guys, mm-hmm. do the track walk with you. Nope. Nope. We're good. Nah, we're good. We're Nico. Good, Nico. You stay your ass home, dude. Yeah. That's uh, there's there is something a little bit satisfying about that, where it's like, oh, he's just not allowed to be there covering it in person and doing interviews wow. because he's selfish. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I had no idea. That's uh, that's kind of uh, kind of amazing. All right, so uh, mm-hmm. what other? <laughs> so maybe that'll be one of the top stories. <laughs> that should be at the end of the season a, when that when that surfaces a little more. Yeah, um, yeah I hope so. What, what else do you think will be uh, big big I, highlights of this 2022 season? Well, I think there is a, a slim chance here uh, after last week after looking at the the analysis of a bunch of much more experienced journalists and technical aficionados uh, in the sport of F1, they were saying that this is not necessarily going to be a good track for uh, for Red Bull, uh, that there's like a bunch of bounces that could happen, a bunch of little bumps and bounces that could throw off uh, a car like that. Uh, and that Ferrari supposedly is pretty good at Singapore, that they're they're going to be pretty decent at this track. So there's a chance that we could see Charles and Carlos do a lot better, especially over one lap, since it is, uh, it's a street circuit. Uh, it's a modified street circuit, so there's a much there's a lot more value be, uh, being placed on pole position and being higher up on the grid uh, because if a safety car comes out, that's usually a, a big problem in those races. Uh, so 
there's that, but also there's a chance that Mercedes could perform very well at this track. And this may be the last opportunity this year for Lewis to actually win a Grand Prix. And that is, I think, the other big story this year is this is going to be his first year in F1 that he will not have won a Grand Prix. And I think that there's a real there's a real chance that that's going to happen. Um, yeah. And that is there are people who see him and see the way that the team is not kind of deferring to him as much when it comes to George and him, like between their two sides of the garage. I think that they're being much more favorable uh, to George than they were to Valtteri. Uh, mm-hmm. just in my opinion. Yeah. Um, no, I, I, I think that's definitely true. Yeah. So I think that's going to be a story if he doesn't win, especially if George does win potentially, cause George has been matching Lewis for sure in the same equipment. Uh, that's there's, there's nothing you can't deny that. <laughs> um, so I think that'll be a big story. If he doesn't win, will people be like, okay, if Lewis doesn't win this coming year, is he going to retire? Like it'll, that will become more of a story but um which i don't think is true i think if anything that will motivate him even more to not just win but become dominant again where it's like oh i didn't win any races last season watch this i'm not only going to win one race i'm going to win as many races as i possibly can and just be unapologetic about it uh if he gets the right equipment again that's what i think Mm -hmm. will, will happen but i'm sure the media will love picking up on the idea of like Lewis maybe retiring if he doesn't win. If he can't win again, then maybe he has to hang it up. Yeah, I think that's going to be a, I think there will be a a flurry of conversation come the end of the season of like, Mm -hmm. okay, is Lewis Hamilton, you know, still reeling from Abu Dhabi and then, you know, taken, you know, been dug an even deeper grave by going a season with, with zero wins. Yeah. Riding on the back of the silver dolphin. Um, yeah. <laughs> it's, uh, yeah. Uh, and, you know, I would actually say there might even be some parallels between Lewis Hamilton's season and Daniel Ricardo's. Yeah. In terms um, of just this sense of like not just disappointing performance, but also really slipping behind uh, your teammate. Mm hmm. Which is a, a always a an even bigger problem in a scenario like this. Yeah, and yeah, I, I guess, and I guess at this point, it's probably pretty settled. We're not going to see Danny Rick in Formula One in twenty twenty three. I just don't see it happening. I really don't. Uh, especially there was we're we're recording Monday, and there was a. There's been news that Nick DeVries has like entered serious contract negotiations with Alpha Tauri now, and it oh, looks wow. like there's like a chance that if they get Nick DeVries, then Pierre will go to Alpine, and that will lock off the Alpine slot, uh, which then basically just leaves Haas uh, as as like the only viable option. Uh, for Danny Ricardo at that point, because there hasn't been uh, a, a a resign for Mick Schumacher yet, uh, so there's that. Um, 
And then who knows what's going to happen with Mick as well. There's like this, this is something that like we haven't really talked about at all is could Mick Schumacher end up without a seat in F1? Uh, Oh, that'd be such a bummer. I mean, that's looking like that's maybe a 60% possibility. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Because Haas is looking at re-signing Nico Hulkenberg uh, to put Hulkenberg and Magnuson as teammates, that's going to be an interesting dynamic. Uh, but that would be that's that's what Haas is looking at uh, right now. So that's uh, that's not looking good for Mick at all, especially now that he has uh, taken taken his leave of the Ferrari uh, driver, the the junior drivers. Right, um, he's no longer one of their drivers, so. This is things are getting very interesting, um, and by interesting, I mean like could get like much, much harsher, uh, even harsher at at the end of this year to be like, oh my god, do we not have Mick or Danny Ricardo in F one anymore? I mean, no, no disrespect to Nick DeVries or Nico Hulkenberg, but whoa, 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 to lose both of them would be a real big shot. Uh, across the just the emotional bow of most f1 fans i mean yeah god that's that's tough um also there is a chance here that this whole fiasco with with oscar piastri is going to put the cap on the young drivers program at alpine they're talking about maybe not signing anybody else as a young driver which oh wow that I mean that like this is this is what I was worried about is this move was going I th- I think that there's like and maybe this is just me being a little bit culturally insensitive to the French but I think that people aren't understanding people, people don't often say that phrase I know I but I'm trying to be nice I'm trying not to be just like uh like jump on the bandwagon of like the French or the French, what can you do? Uh, but that is kind of that the attitude of most most European uh, cu- cultures. <laughs> uh, it's like, I mean, the French are just who they are. Um, but this this to me, the French the French F one culture feels like a very proud culture. Feels like a cult, especially as they have built and tooled the Renault brand into Alpine and really been like, this is a French company. And I kind of mentioned this before where we were, where I'd said like, if we get Pierre Gasly and we get uh, Esteban Ocon driving for Alpine, we're probably going to lose Otmar. And like, there's been some like unfavorable stories about Otmar uh, now. And I think that that's probably all going to come to pass. We're probably going to lose him and they're going to put some French team principal in there. And then that team is going to be all French. And I think truly, I think that that's what we're all kind of not acknowledging is like, they are such a French team. And that is why like other, that's why Alonzo is like, I don't want to drive for a French team. Like uh, this is mm-hmm. especially like a proud Spanish man, like Fernando Alonso, like he doesn't want to drive for a French team. He feels disrespected and he probably was disrespected uh, for good or bad uh reasons uh by the the management there and i think that they just want it to be a french team uh 
and the, people were like, oh yeah, maybe Ricardo will go back there. Ricardo was never going to go back there. He was never going to be allowed or invited back. They're too proud of a team to invite a person who is like kind of publicly made them look ridiculous, even if they were under another brand name at the time. Like, I, I don't know. Uh, so that's my that's my two cents on Alpine. Just just want to put that out there is that they are a very proud French team, and I think we should look at all of their moves through that lens because they are trying to create this proud, proud cultural brand, and also the fact that Paul Ricard is probably not going to be on the, the calendar next right. year is like right, a real right. like they are trying to shore up their Frenchness and really line that up. Uh, so I think we will see Pierre Gasly go to them. And we'll watch that team become like completely and totally French uh, in good and bad and whatever ways. Do what do you think will be the I'm going to say the positive surprise of the season? Uh, you know, if I was to just say the biggest surprise, it would be Ferrari mm. choking super hard. But yeah. I mean, the biggest surprise would be Ferrari getting their shit together for the last, like, what is this, six races? If they could, like, really tighten it up for the last bit of the season. If they could really tighten it up and just get it to the point where they lose the championship by, like, two points, yeah. Yeah, and they just barely, it becomes, like, <laughs> almost like uh, a Ferrari, uh, or sorry, a Red Bull and Mercedes situation at Abu Dhabi. Uh, except it's for the second place of the World Driver Championship, uh, and for uh, also for uh, uh, for the Constructors Championship because George is third right now, right? Um, mm-hmm. And I think it's like it's Max, Sergio, then George, and then Carlos. Is that what it is? Uh, I believe so. Uh, and then Charles, or maybe it's Charles ahead of. Carlos is Carlos ahead of Charles right now in the drivers championship. Let me uh, let me let me pull. Let me see if I yeah. have access to the official Formula One database. Here. <laughs> I also have. I mean, I've got I, some information that not many have access to. <laughs> yeah, hold on a, here. Let me just the 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 telegram is just coming through the the mimeograph right now. Nice. Um, all right. So we're going uh, right now where we stand mm-hmm. is Max, Charles, Sergio, George, okay. Carlos. Okay. okay. So I think, hmm, I think we'll see a George and Charles like real deal down to the wire competition in Abu Dhabi for the World Drivers Championship, the second slot. And I also think that we'll see the Ferrari and mercedes it'll be like ferrari's last ditch effort to try to win uh get that second slot because they're not i i i think mercedes is going to do it if lewis keeps racing yeah, they're the way 30 does, they're just 35 points behind ferrari yeah no Mer- mercedes is going to stay consistent and if ferrari does what ferrari does they're not gonna they're not gonna make it so i think uh yeah, so that I mean that would be that would be the biggest shock is if Ferrari just turned it all around and just kept Mercedes at bay and kept that second step and the World Drivers Championship and then kept that second slot in the Constructors Championship. That would be the biggest surprise to me. For sh- I mean for sure. Um mm-hmm. what would okay, how about this? 
what would you like to see as far as a surprise winner of a Grand Prix between now and the end of the year, John? Hmm. Surprise winner. Um, I think Mick would be awesome. Oh, wow. That would be, there's a, there's a lot that would have to happen for that, uh, that domino to, uh, Pastor Maldonado won a Grand Prix. <laughs> Okay. Yeah, that's that's a really good point. You can't <laughs> crazy stuff can happen. <laughs> Master Maldonado did win a Grand Prix. That's a very good point. Uh he won, and, he won a Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah. And to be fair, Esteban Ocon won a Grand Prix. So hey, yeah. uh yeah. that shouldn't have happened. That should not have happened. Um, <laughs> I think uh, I think I think Mick, or to mm-hmm. me, the ultimate surprise is like Nico Hulkenberg <laughs> wins a Grand oh Prix. Oh my God! Like, yeah. there's something in. something happens, and he's pulled in as the substitute teacher, and you know, like wins he, like, himself a Grand Prix. Like something happens where, like, who does who is he driving for right now? Who is he? Is he just like the super sub for for all teams, uh, or is he contracted to Aston Martin specifically? Yeah, I mean, he's. I don't think he's even like. I don't think of him as even being focusing on on Formula One, but uh, in in any way, shape, or form, he's doing all sorts of other stuff. But he's the guy that gets yeah. flown in at the last second, and so like. It would be like Nico Hulkenberg behind the wheel of like the Aston Martin or something yeah. insane like that. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, ah, that would be that would be amazing. Uh I would honestly, it's probably not gonna happen, but I would love to see Sergio win another Grand Prix. I would love to see Sergio win in Mexico City. That would be like the the dream of all dreams would be to see that man actually win, not just podium but actually mm-hmm. win his home Grand Prix. Uh, I don't think that's going to happen this year just because, you know, he's not doing too hot uh, with with his, with his with the upgrades to the Red Bull. He hasn't been doing too hot, but I would love to see him win his home Grand Prix. That would be like the, like, I mean, just the, the, the perfect story. I'm, uh, I'm definitely here for it. I'd mm-hmm. be down to, uh, to see that unfold. Um, I mean, see. seeing Vettel on a podium would be fucking awesome too. Wouldn't that be nice? I mean, before he retires, I doubt it'll happen. But I say, uh, I say Abu Dhabi. We get him mm. on a podium at the last race, and we do some like Felipe Massa esque, like super epic walk down the pit lane where everybody yeah. bows to him and uh, and and whatnot. Uh, there's some sort of like saber sabering uh something where he like walks through like the pit lanes have like all their guns like uh all tied <laughs> all like draped like giant sabers and he walks between them. yep yep, yep. Uh, i love it yeah that would be that would be a dream come true but can't imagine that's gonna happen <laughs> uh, who knows who knows who knows we could yeah, see i feel like we went quickly from surprise to like uh you know borderline infeasible yeah, long just, shot yeah but hey that's fully... that's you know i want i want i i want that kind of surprise we'll see yeah we'll see what yeah. happens yeah um what about max do you think that max could how many more races do you think max wins this year Oh, all right. We have 
One, two, three, four, five, six races left. Mm -hmm. I think Max wins four of them and would have clearly would have won all six, but had reliability issues. That's my, yeah, that's my take. I think we're going to see him win probably four, but maybe five. He might win five. Uh, I would love to see, to be to be honest, uh, I'm excited to see Max win in Japan. Like that's going to be it, it. That's to watch Red Bull come back and win in Japan um, after Honda has like officially stepped out of the sport. Like this is going to be a real beautiful send off for for Honda Motors. I think mm-hmm. uh, if we can get uh, a Red Bull, at least at least one Red Bull on the podium two in Japan would be nice though, to see that celebration. Cause just that fan base for Honda whew, is It rivals Ferrari. It rivals the Italian Ferrari fan base. It's just really, really dope to see that. Um, so, uh, speaking of that, mm-hmm. it does sound like there's some murmurs happening about Honda and Red Bull looking at, rekindling their relationship but further down the road now that it's there's been there has been some news in the last week or two that uh this almost certain event of porsche entering formula one may not be happening Mm -hmm. yeah we've got uh we've got that deal that deal is off according to to red bull and christian horner uh that to me, I, I mean, I had said this before, like it doesn't make a ton of sense for these people who have been building Red Bull powertrains to then become integrated with Porsche powertrain. Like that's just not a yeah. thing that would make good sense. And Porsche was hoping to end up with controlling stake in Red Bull. And I can't ever imagine Christian Horner relinquishing the amount of control that he has in that company. I, that's just not, he's not going to answer to anybody. He barely answers to, 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 to helmet, right? Like, uh, or to, to D de- like he, he's, he's, he doesn't have to answer to anybody. And I don't think that he wants to answer to an entire board of directors at the Volkswagen group, <laughs> let alone, uh, like a person at Porsche, right? Like he doesn't, he doesn't want a boss. and. It's not shocking that that didn't work out, honestly. Um, who do you think Porsche is going to partner with now? Oh, I have I have no idea. I'm really I'm really curious. I do think there's still some really strong possibilities that there is some form of an American influence coming back in with a mm-hmm. team. And I would love to see something like Andretti Porsche. Yeah. Um doesn't doesn't quite make sense to have like a super American team tied to a German brand, but there's no. weirder weirder relationships in that in in F1. Um yeah, I'm I'm not sure and I do wonder if, you know, I think maybe some of the other I'm just going to say some of the other bigger stories that may not even come to light until midway through the off season mm-hmm. are just going to be some things about the continuing increase and reinforcement 
coming from the American side of things, like really influencing the sport. Yeah. So that could be more discussion of American teams or brands getting more deeply involved in the sport. I think there's a chance that uh, eventually in the next couple seasons, ESPN themselves may say, hey, you know what? Like maybe we can do something that's more Americanized than just showing a British network's feed and do something that is, you know, a little more their own. Um, Yeah, I think uh, I I think there's going to be some interesting sort of like behind the scenes growth events happening tied to American culture in F1. Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, two two things on that that just remind me of the fact that uh, Colton Herta is now out um, as yep. uh, as I mean now that Nick DeVries we already kind of talked about that he's he's kind of favored at at Alpha Tauri it seems but it's Colton Herta is out because the super licensing issue uh, the idea was like force majeure. So things outside of his control basically made it so that he couldn't get a super license, but he should have gotten one. Otherwise, that has been ruled out. Uh, And he also came uh, spoke in an interview and was like, I didn't want it that way. I didn't want a huge exception to be made. I wanted to do this in an earned way. I didn't want it to be like weirdly. uh, They made an exception to the rule so that an American could could get in because that just feels gross. So I appreciate that. And I'm glad that he wants to get in on merit, you know, quote unquote on merit. Uh, and by that, I mean like he's, he's already got the merit. He just needs to get like the super license points. And that's, that's what I'm throwing in quotes. That's a ridiculous process. Needlessly complicated, needlessly exclusionary. Uh, there are much more informed podcasts you can listen to that focus on that, uh, that issue. I don't know all the specifics. I just know it's ridiculous uh and that it's wild like and it this is one thing i heard about it that was so funny with each world drivers chip uh world drivers championship point you win like that you earn each season it like increases the cost to renew your driver's license so verstappen's super license this past year was like a hundred thousand dollars like it's just like so stupid like and it's like normally just like a ten thousand dollar or twenty thousand dollars every year, but it's like exponentially more expensive if you earn points. So the better you do, the more you have to pay. It's just such a stupid, stupid the system. Sport is effectively like robbing it's, itself blind. It's so wild. Like it that's the level of like it makes no sense. That system makes no sense. Uh, so hopefully some reforms will come to it, but it won't happen just to get Colton Herta in. And I, I appreciate that as an American who is like, hey, don't make exceptions for us just because like capital is driving like driving this sport. Uh, and then the other is there's a chance that there will be like people are saying, like, is there going to be a, a different resolution to races now? Because we just saw this F1 race resolve itself behind a safety car. Will Liberty come in and go, hey, Americans hate a tie, and that's what it's perceived as. And I think that there is some validity to that argument. I know that Americans really don't like things that seem to resolve themselves as a tie or in a neutral way. Like, we like the, like, buzzer beater type stuff. Uh, And I just, 
as like a I'm not I wouldn't say I'm like a purist, but as someone who is a little bit more traditional in the way that this the races conduct themselves, I don't want to see this sport weirdly weighted and turned into this like Americanized thing where they focus too much on having yeah. it be a sensational finish because sometimes when races and this is what happened this past week uh, at Monza. Like I went in and looked at everything and it, like, this is exactly how this race was supposed to end. Like precisely how this race was supposed to end. They did yeah. everything they could to make it end this way in like an honest way. Cause if they hadn't sped up this process, then the race, the safety car never would have come in and they literally would have finished behind a safety car. It wouldn't have just been a finish behind the caution. It would have fully finished behind the safety car and been even more boring. So they did everything they could to make this race end in the right way through the rules. And it ended exactly as it should have. And I just I hope that things don't change too much because we had this situation. One of the other things that was said was, yeah, we need races like Monza so that you can appreciate a race that ends and like uh, naturally like quote unquote naturally right according to the rules of the sport we want those races to end in like a fun way and then we look at it and it's like hey it could have ended like monza in 2022 but because of the dynamic nature of racing and motorsport it ended in a photo finish sometimes you get that sometimes you get monza and everything in between and that is like part of being a fan of this sport that i hope that the new like american influence doesn't dilute too much because that that feels good to me when that i like when races like that happen uh even though it like makes me feel like i'm like yeah but then like the really good races are incredible (laughs) like my god uh yeah so with a little more time a little more reflection i i appreciate it even more that it ended the right way last week. Uh, what about I'll contrast, you? Jim? I'll contrast that by saying in the 2023 mm-hmm. season, I hope they create a new program <laughs> where like every race has a different guest race director. <laughs> and it's like, it's like Michael Bay. Yeah. 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 And uh, Ron you know, Howard, uh, Ron Jerry Bruckheimer. Get, yeah. get uh, Ridley Scott in there. You know, Just get some nonsensical. See. Yeah. Arbitrary safety yeah. cars thrown in there. Um, Zack Snyder, it's yes. just raining and and dark, and all the lights are off on the yes. track. Um, yes, you know, yes. That's, uh, <laughs> that's what I'm. That's what I'm looking for. That's uh, that's my. I proudly stake out that that position. Okay. Uh, um, Corey, do you think uh, this week? Do you think Formula One stock went up or down in the United States? I think that it may have like had a little bit of a bump, but it stayed pretty consistent. I think the little bit of a bump is the mention of Colton Herta uh, not being in it anymore and that kind of catching people's attention. Uh, And then I also think that there's just, it's, it's a natural plateau because there is no race this week and there is like kind of a gap and they're trying to, like F1 tweeted out like, so what's everybody up to this week? <laughs> like just like a fully like, we got nothing. Sorry. Um, 
and I think the driver test at Alpine, the 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 secret test with like a bunch of different drivers, including uh, Villeneuve, got into the twenty twenty one car. Uh, like I think that kind of piqued people's interest, uh, but not enough to really cause an uptick in the stock. I think it's still pretty consistent. Uh, what what about you, Johnny? What do you think the stock did this week? Uh, I'm going to say it's creeping upwards, not because of anything that like seemed to happen in Formula One culture, but just because in my own personal life, I have like mm-hmm. in non-motor racing related places been casually just bumping into more and more people who are F1 fans. Uh, my kids are back to school and like I've literally met two or three other young kids dads who are recent you know formula one fans uh was at a a conference all weekend with 150 attendees and of those met like five or seven f1 fans oh that's great um so uh you know that that to me uh just that that little anecdotal sort of experience for me is like that's what I'm that that's what makes it connect that like okay yeah, yeah this sport is getting some serious traction yeah that's I, I think that's fair that you're out in the world and experiencing it uh, I have not experienced much of any of that out in the world so we'll we'll take we'll take that as like yeah we're we're going up a little bit uh, all right well that will do it for this week's episode. I mean, I know we there was no Grand Prix to talk about, but uh, we talked about some driver stuff. We talked about some history. Uh, I'm interested to, to catch up with, I mean, folks, you probably won't hear much about it, but uh, I'm interested to hear what you think about that that documentary, uh, the, the Fangio doc. Uh, and I'll, I'll check out these other these other titles too. Uh, <laughs> You'll dig deep into uh, and the, try and the, track the them vault down of uh yeah i yeah. i yeah uh good luck with that yeah That's, i don't know uh, where i'm gonna find them but i'm gonna try and find them uh all right well where can uh where can the folks find you johnny out there online or in the world um you can find me most often hanging out on twitter via my handle uh johnny motion um, but also, uh, in the past week had a video go live that I put together with my friends at school of motion, which you can find on the school of motion, YouTube page, uh, made a, a little video, kind of a class or session exploring the recent phenomena of artificial intelligence driven artwork, nice. uh, which is a lot of fun. And then as I alluded to before, was at, uh, a, a wonderful, I don't think I can even call it a conference. It was an event called Camp Mograph uh, mm-hmm. this past few days in Virginia Beach, which was like an amazing gathering of uh, high-level creatives, uh, particularly around the motion graphics industry. And I got a chance to give the sort of like opening night uh, fireside chat or like keynote speech to uh, to the gang there. Had a blast, met a ton of brilliant people and you know definitely met some f1 fans in the mix as well so fun nice. fun stuff Corey, where can uh where can the people find you uh they can get at me on twitter i am burn Corey burn uh you can also find me on tiktok and instagram uh under that same handle uh also the f1 files 
the F1 files on Twitter, the F1 files on Reddit. You can track me down there. And I also have a couple of classes going live, some uh, in-person improv classes. So you can go to ucbcomedy.com and check out the classes link there and see if you can sneak into one of these fun little improv classes I teach. Uh, Yeah, that will just about do it for us this week. Uh, There's no F1 coming up, no Grand Prix happening, but eventually the Singapore Grand Prix is going to happen and we'll be recording an episode at the start of that race week and we'll be all fired up for that. But until then, folks, we will catch up with you and you will also catch up with us next time on the F1 Files.